Kidashta, the personal touch, invite everyone to their two exciting stores, one in the heart of Jerusalem and one in Modeim. Kidashta, the personal touch, is the epitome of elegant style and service. Sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, teletote, mezuzot, and much more. And also features a full boutique wine department specializing in Israeli wines. And, of course, everything is available online at Judaica 4 u Judaica, the numeral 4 and the letter U, dot com. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. Did you get that? <laughs> Noahide Nations. I changed that up a little bit. Just I uh, want to make sure you folks were still awake out there, because uh, uh, we're glad that you're here with the Noahide Nations show. Uh, I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and of course, everyone's getting to know my relatively new co-host, Mr. Prescott Johnson. Prescott, come on in here, my friend. How you doing? Thank you, Ray. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, we're, we're starting to see summer up here. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, you guys don't get it until uh, quite a bit later than we do. Uh, yeah, uh, and when you guys get summer, it's a real scorcher compared to us. We we do get a lot of humidity, which isn't fun, but, you know, that's uh, we'll only see it for a month or so, and then it'll start cooling down again. Right. Oh, by the way, uh, seeing as uh, most of the folks know that uh, we pre-record these shows... And I just wanted to, I just want to let everyone know, and particularly you who live in Canada and sadly aren't able to spell the word hockey, but the Chicago, (laughs) the Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. And uh, we're all proud of them. Uh, I'm originally from Chicago, and uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, when I was a, a boy, a young lad, my father was a printer. And interestingly enough, his company printed the Chicago Blackhawk programs for the crowd. So when they were done printing them up, he was also the person who volunteered to deliver them downtown. So whenever we delivered the uh, uh, programs, uh, my dad always took me with him. So, of course, we delivered them down at Chicago Stadium. This, of course, is the old stadium, not the nice one they have now. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, go ahead. Finish the story. I, I, it was a very extra special thing for me because I've been there. I'm there. The Hawks <laughs> and me were like this. And if you can't see, my fingers are crossed. So, anyway, we do have a really good show for you folks today, and it's not going to be about hockey. Uh, that one uh, Prescott and I are doing next for ESPN. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a free plug for ESPN. But anyway, uh, this is a, a good show because we're going to continue on with the discussion, or should I say the interviews that I had done out at the 20th anniversary of the VJRI Noahide Conference. And uh, this particular one is with a gentleman by the name of Larry Borntrager. So we'll be getting to him in a, a few minutes. So Prescott, what's going on in your life? Anything good? Oh, well, you know... I guess lots of things are the same, and uh, some things are, I guess, different. But, you know, I'm uh, always busy working uh, between uh, doing now Hyde Nations work. And, uh, uh, oh, something really strange. You have to understand, here in Nova Scotia, we do have a Jewish community down in Halifax. Uh, 
but uh, we don't see too many Orthodox Jews in this neck of the woods because uh, uh, I live well outside of Halifax. And I met a gentleman who was making a sales call to a local uh, company here. And uh, so anyway, uh, I chased him down. He had uh, a kippah on and he was wearing tzitzit. And uh, uh, anyway, we exchanged uh, a greeting and uh, chatted for a few minutes. Uh, anyway, so I got his business card and I'm going to uh, 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 follow up. And uh, hopefully the next time he's in the area, we'll get together for uh, coffee. I don't imagine there's too many places here where he could actually eat. <laughs> I don't know if he brown bags it or not, but anyway. <laughs> this isn't a very kosher neck of the woods by a long shot. but It's uh, actually surprising that you would uh, find somebody that's, that's actually an Orthodox Jew uh, living in basically a non-kosher area. Well, well he doesn't uh, live unless here. He were, unless he was traveling. Oh, he was traveling there. Yeah, okay. he, he, he flew in from Montreal and uh, rented a, a car to do his sales calls uh, up through the province. And he said he comes down every couple of months. So... Boy, I wonder if he listens to our show out there in uh, Montreal on Shalom Radio. I don't did, know. Did you ask? Uh, didn't ask, huh? Uh, no, I didn't know, but uh, shout out to Alexander, and I think his last name is Gestetner, if uh, if uh, I'm able to pronounce the uh, name on his card correctly. But uh, anyway, yeah, um, if he happens to be listening or anybody uh, in the uh, Montreal area knows him, uh, tell him Prescott said hello from Nova Scotia. Well, good. Let's do a little uh, housekeeping here real quick. Okay. Uh, we are still getting lots of emails in on the shows that we did regarding, will the real Messiah please stand up? <laughs> and, of course, we want you to continue sending in the emails, so uh, please do so at noahide at israelnationalradio.com because what we can then do is take some of those emails and take the questions, uh, get them on the air, and start answering those questions. And we're going to be doing a couple uh, shows of, of, on that very thing, and, yep. and they'll be coming up here. So that uh, something to keep an eye out for, folks. Yep, yep. So it should be uh, should be a good show, uh, and we'll try not to uh, embarrass anybody by uh, outing them and and then showing them how some of the points that they bring up in their emails to us weren't really good right. points. <laughs> Right, and you know, I was just thinking this uh, whole conference business. I hadn't really. Well, I'm going to save that till some other time. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, talk about that a little bit later because there was a point where I really, I just wasn't sure I wanted to go to this conference. Oh yeah, yeah. You mentioned that to me before uh, before you went to this conference that uh, you, you didn't think you wanted to go. Uh, why was that? Well, number one, it's a it's a long way off. Uh, I mean, it's a, a long drive. It's you know a couple hours at least, and on probably one of the worst roads, uh, 35. Uh, the, I mean, it's one of the worst roads there is. I mean, it's a white knuckle drive all the way down there, and it's because there's so many trucks and you know all of that. But it's kind of it's really a painful uh, drive, you know, there and back, and also. I'm so busy, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, with Noahide Nations, the show. I mean, you know how it is, but yeah. you just get caught up in everything, and life oftentimes takes over, and I didn't know that I was going to be able to do it. And thankfully, my wife, uh, who has a very close relationship with Hashem, by the way, really felt a, a pull on her heart 
that we needed to be at that conference for some reason. You know, we don't really know what it was for sure, but we knew we, she knew we had to go, and because she knew we had to go, that means I knew we had to go. So we promptly, you know, packed things up and planned on going and went ahead and got down there and was able to do a number of things. And, and maybe later in the show, I'll be able to uh, share a kind of a special moment that uh, uh, we happen to have out there. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and jump into this sh- uh, interview with Larry Borntrager, who is a longtime Noah Hyde. Let's go ahead and jump right in right now. Hello, everybody. We're certainly glad that you stuck around for the continuation of the Noahide Nation show. And as we mentioned before, we are here on a special, special historical occasion, with it being the 20th anniversary of the Vendel Jones Research Institute, otherwise known as VJRI's uh, Noahide Conference, which has been going on for 20 years. And this is the, the 20th anniversary, and we've got a lot of great folks here, a lot of great great speakers, and thankfully, with the help of Hashem, I've been able to find some folks here at the conference who actually attended the very first VJRI conference, and I want to go ahead and bring in my next guest, a gentleman by the name of Larry Borntrager, who was indeed here 20 years ago, and he's going to share some of that experience with us. Larry, come on in here. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Great, great. And I, I have to get a time out here. I just got a phone call at 1.30 last night. I'm a new grandpa. You are. Yes. Well, congratulations. Now, is this the, the newest Noahide on the planet, or is that yet to be determined? Well, I'd say it's a third-generation Noahide because all three of my sons are Noahides. All three, thank God for the availability of the rabbis in Jerusalem, were able to make their statement. Great. So, um, to me, the most exciting thing is, yes, he's a what I call a third-generation Noahide. Great. And, you know, that's one of the, the wonderful things that we see occurring with Noahides is that there's a lot more children getting involved, younger parents, younger people. And uh, as you know, many of us know, that in order to really change the hearts and minds of people to where world peace might actually be a, become a reality, you have yes. to start with the kids. Yes. You know, we as adults, we can change, but only to a certain degree because we do tend to carry some baggage with us. Yes. But the kids they got no baggage, and they are like sponges for what we have to, to, to say to them and to teach them. And if we can have enough kids taught from the cradle about Torah, about the truth of Hashem, and what our destinies are in His creation, I mean, I would love to be around to see that wonderful place once it happens. Oh, yes. And the thing that... I guess I always get so excited about is that my understanding the only promise that B'nai Israel had to Hashem as far as keeping the Torah, they teach your children. Yes. So when I see second generation and third generation B'nai Noah, I say, mm-hmm. that's the only promise we have because in one generation, if the Jewish world would not teach the next generation Torah, what would happen? And they do seem to have a very functional and, and very practical and working model. Yes. <laughs> I think uh, we, we need to be following more of it and at the same time remain autonomous because yes. we both have, the Jews have their role, the Noahides have their role. Oftentimes you could say that our, our goals are very similar, if not exactly the same, mm-hmm. but our, our jobs, so to speak, in performing and reaching to that goal are, are different. Yes. So now, the the, uh, the the area that I keep thinking, if I can make any comparison, is for a Jewish 
father to see his son bar mitzvah, if I could say the feeling of emotions that I get and completion that I get to watch my sons make their pledges, I think have somewhat of the same emotion. I don't know, but for the Jewish world out there, if you can understand what you feel when you see your children at bat mitzvah and bar mitzvah, we as B'nai Noach now have our, I guess, uh, comparison to that. We let's, have go, it let's, let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Because mm-hmm. a lot of folks out there I know are probably wondering, well, what's he referring to, this, this pledge? I mean, what, what is that? And it's something that, first of all, I would like to you know, point out right up front, that there's nothing in Torah, there's nothing in the Talmud, there's nothing really anywhere that I'm aware of anyway that says that it's mandatory for a Noahide to do this. However, it is something that I myself have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, when we had the World Conference back in uh, 08, uh, we had you know three rabbis and pr- probably 70, 80 people took their uh, pledge as well. And really, it's a, it's a pledge to make a public statement, uh, more so for you than anybody else, mm-hmm. I- in terms of keeping those Noahide laws. And you're making a statement to yourself and to Hashem in front of, in this case, three wise Jews. If you're going to go to a Beit Din, that is the requirement. We were fortunate enough to have three rabbis. And and I know, Larry, from what my knowledge of you and the experiences that you've shared and that others have shared with me, that you've actually been to Israel and have appeared before some pretty, what we might call mega bait ends with some fairly uh, prominent rabbis, people who are, are wise beyond compare when you really sit down and start talking about what they've done for mankind. So why don't you share with us, because uh, I know you did it, what was it like for you the first time to, to do this and what it meant to you? Okay, it's a very individual thing, and that's what I say. I focus on the individual, the experience of the individual, and the what I call the power of the individual. For me, I always tried to live as much as I knew how to be obedient to Hashem, even in my Christian days growing up. When I took upon myself to live by the Sheva Mitzvot, or the Seven Laws, it was simply a... Uh, personal response, but to say it before the rabbis, the most refreshing thing, if I may go back a little bit to the 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, when we first met here with the rabbis, something happened that I think was a pivotal point for me to go on in B'nai Noah. And it's simply this. It may sound so simple, but it's so important. There were a group of people, I think morally from the Southern Baptist persuasion, mm-hmm. who wanted Rules and regulations. Right. Structure. Structure. <laughs> and the question came out, could you, as rabbis from Jerusalem, tell us what we were supposed to do? And the rabbi looked sort of puzzled, and they got into a rabbi huddle, and they were talking, 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 and they came back and said the most refreshing statement, we're not supposed to tell you what to do, we're supposed to teach you. And I thought, if you turn that around, if this would have been, quote, the setting that I came out of, Christian setting, and there was a Jewish group meeting with some well-known evangelical pastors, and the Jewish people would have that same question. It would be more like, gotcha. Right. They're going to tell you what to do. But the refreshing thing is, and this is what I've learned through all the rabbis, and this is why I'm so, why I enjoy the experience of saying this as a pledge before the rabbis, because I know their humility It's not that I'm pledging to the rabbis. It's not that they're saying, now we have you 
we can watch over you and we can make sure that you obey these laws. Right. It's more we are there so that you can experience this saying this out loud not only to yourself but to the rabbis and to the rest of the world because what's happening with modern technology even as you know I'm sharing with Ray here that this goes all over the world now right right I unabashedly call myself a lazy scholar there's other <laughs> people that study and give the finer points I simply quite often do things I make blunders I'm not perfect the thing I've I've learned I'm trying to be available so when these wonderful rabbis allow me to make that statement or that pledge before them, it goes all over the world. You can see it on the Internet and everything. The thing is, people can look at that and say, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. They may not fully understand the seven laws. They may not know all the nuances, everything that we do. But in today's world, when people see an action Sometimes their heart is drawn towards it before their mind really grasps it. So that's why I'm so thankful that I was invited up to do this before the developing Sanhedrin. Because of that contact, three times now during Sukkot, I could take friends and people up who wanted to do the same thing. The first time that we did it, after the meeting with the developing Sanhedrin as a a group of men, And again, the point I want to make is that I was given the job to get the man there, and I realized the choice would have been to create a council before we met with the rabbis. But again, my point was that I felt it was important to take individuals up to Jerusalem and then from there develop whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's another story because, you know, things didn't work out the way that I felt the job I was given to do. But that's another story. What I'm saying is that because of that situation, I was introduced to rabbis who were willing to do this. So now, when I go up during Sukkot, and it's not that I read the prophets and Zechariah and say, you know, from year to year, people <laughs> go up and say, ah, I'm <laughs> going to make that prophecy happen. That's, that's silliness. But all of a sudden, I realize that as I'm doing this, and I look and say, ah, maybe that's what he was talking about. Because when now... I take people up to Jerusalem during Sukkot. The first time that there was, I think, about three of us that wanted to do that, all I asked for was three rabbis in a little <laughs> off room somewhere, make our pledges, have a, you know, that's it. Have a cup of coffee and call it a day. Yes. Well, no. <laughs> Next thing you know, the news media was there. They had a feast. This was a celebration. There were 13 rabbis instead of three rabbis. Because what I discovered, I thought they were doing us a favor. But it's amazing. Some of these, what I call great teachers and rabbis, they thought we were doing them a favor because they enjoyed so much seeing this happen. Right. They wanted to be a part of it. Right. So here we had, instead of three rabbis in a, in a little room, we had this big celebration, the news media and... Uh, these rabbis singing and dancing and just, you know, joyous. So the second year, it was the same way. Again, I just said, hey, just keep it small, a couple of rabbis. No, it was a <laughs> big occasion. The third time, the same way. So the thing is that, again, I am interested in bringing individuals into this experience. 
with the idea that as this goes all over the world, people can look at it and say, that's what I want. So thank God for these rabbis that are available to do this. Well, and, you know, thinking about what you were saying, uh, it, it seems to me that for, for the rabbis, they have to be very excited about it, probably for many reasons, but one of the ones that I can think of is prophecy. It has to be shocking for them to realize that they are living in a time when Gentiles are coming forward, where prophecy is beginning to be realized, is being beginning to manifest before their very eyes, and they get to be a part of it. Yes. And for us, as the Gentile, you know, the, the, the what you said that the rabbis conveyed to you is that, hey, we're not here to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. We're here to teach you if you need it. And there's the, the saying, and you know it as well as I do, that there's supposed to be a light unto the nations. Yes. But we also have to understand that we as Gentiles sometimes have to get up and turn the light on. True. Which means yeah. we need to ask questions. We need to understand that we can go to them for wisdom and, and knowledge. And I think some of what this pledge does is because we are making such an internal commitment to ourselves and to Hashem for that personal relationship, we then become more willing to ask a rabbi maybe a, a particularly tough question or, yes. or something that you may never have considered asking before. Why? Because now we're committed to that. And I think that's some of what the pledge does for us individually is help solidify that relationship with Hashem. And the only way you can really do that is you got to go to the people who know. Exactly. And that is the Jewish people, and in particular, the rabbis. Exactly. Yeah, that that is so true. Yeah. Now, back to this conference. Uh, I mean, this is a, a great conference that's going on right now. Tell us a little bit about the, the one that happened 20 years ago. Well, for some reason, when I hear questions, stories pop up because <laughs> I, I think, say things more or better through stories. I was with Vendel when we were meeting with a particular rabbi in Jerusalem one time. He was giving an interview. And he was talking about the book that uh, Mendel wrote, Will the Real Jesus Stand Up? Right. The rabbi made a statement, and rabbi, forgive me if I, you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> but you said that Mendel never should have written that book. And I'm usually a very even-keeled guy, but I got very upset. I thought, rabbi, we're not a Froom group. We're not, we didn't grow up, quote, religious or whatever. Vendel wrote that book, and he will say himself that if he'd write it again, he'd write it different. The reason I'm saying that is that what happened 20 years ago, and if you look at my belief system today, it was such a beginning, at a beginning stage back then, that I was even unsure of my path at that point. Even though I was at the conference, even though I know I was supposed to be there because there was something for me, I was still so um, cautious or questioning, am I going the right direction? Is this right? That we wouldn't even... Holy cow, it looks like we're going to be getting back in. It looks like a little early. They said 11 o'clock. Okay. Uh, we'll go ahead and continue this, though, okay. and, yeah. and we'll get you to come back and, and kind of finish those thoughts. I, I know it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So, folks, stick with us. We will be back with Larry Borntrager.
Shalom, shalom. Mi nombre es Amir Yehudá de León. Quisiera decirle que escuchen Israel National Radio en cualquier lugar del mundo a través del Internet. My name is Humberto Yehudá de León, saying hi from Houston, Texas. And telling you guys, please listen IsraelNationalRadio.com via the Internet. Anywhere, anytime. Except Shabbat, of course. From Houston, Texas, New York, Israel, or Eastern Africa, or San Juan, Puerto Rico, you always can listen to Israel National Radio. You should too. My name is Mike from Washington, D.C. I started to have prostate problems about 10 years ago. I had to get up four or five times a night, and it left me tired all day. I work in the legal field, and I couldn't sit for more than an hour before having to ask for a recess. After taking the optimal product for a month, my symptoms almost disappeared. I can't tell you how happy I am to have found this product. Apuntima capsules made only in Israel. Go now to www.preso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O dot com. Folks, we are back with Larry Borntrager. We just sat through an excellent teaching by Rabbi Zvi Avenir. And wish you all could have heard that, but I'm sure you'll hear about it frequently here in the future. Mm-hmm. So, Larry, we were talking about the 20 years and going all the way back. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't here for the very first one, but I understand the very first conference had some, uh, shall I say, unique, interesting, and exciting people. And if you know who I'm talking about, uh, Rabbi Mirkahani being one of those. Yes. And, and the kind of man he was, uh, sadly, he's no longer with us. Maybe you can share some of that first conference, give people kind of an idea of what that was all about, how it was, what it did for you, and then maybe bring us to the current conference usually i look at comparisons or processes you know where a person has been where they are now if you look back at the conference back then yes the idea that a rabbi traveled i think mayor kahani was from new york somewhere traveled all the way down there to uh, welcome us that to me spoke volumes because again many of us when we start on on our journey i don't think i'm in much different than anybody else we start out on a journey we don't know where we're going to end up at. Right. <laughs> and what I was going to say just before the break was that even in the first conference, uh, as meaningful as it was to me, I was very hesitant to tell my children or teach my children because I wasn't tr- right that I was following the right path or I was going the right direction. Right. You don't want to be jumping from the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> yes. And... The fact that there are, when you start out on a journey, there's somebody on the other side that puts out their hand and welcomes you, tells you that you're arriving somewhere. So mm-hmm. that's, that's to me what it meant to me when Mayor Kahani was there. I wish I could, I think I remember right that Shlomo Karlebach there too. You know, I think he was. And again, yeah. I wasn't there. I only heard yeah. this. Uh, but I believe he was, or at least the one after that. Uh, I'm not sure which either. But he's definitely been there. Yeah, he, it must have been that one. Uh, and again, Shlomo Karlebach, as everybody knows, uh, actually, I would say, almost, I guess, ruined his health by being so available to people, <laughs> bringing back Jewish people back into the fold. But to have people come in that weren't really part of the convention but when they saw what happened they wanted to come and welcome us Mm -hmm. at the very beginning already that was like i say you know you're going in the right direction and there's somebody on the other side saying welcome 
And the progression through the years to this conference, there were many more people at that first conference than, you know, are right now. My understanding of that is that some who have attended are maybe going out in their own direction, which is good because it's it's branching out. Exactly. In other words... It needs to spread. Either way, it needs to spread at yes, some point. Yes, because, okay, we give Vendel credit for starting all this, but Vendel was always the first one to say he does not want to be the head of anything because after the head comes the tail and... Right. <laughs> Uh, some, some good Texas humor there that right. is a good stink. So Venel always refused to be quote be recognized as the one who people follow. Well, it's and, and you you hit the word right in the head. It's they follow. Leaders become leaders because of their actions, exactly. Not because they're wearing a badge that says leader. Yes, it's their actions, and obviously Vendel has done a lot. Yes. And what I enjoy seeing in my own personal experience along that same idea, that I have brought other people along, not because, like I say, I'm a lazy scholar, but (laughs) if I'm walking in obedience in a certain direction and somebody else comes along and walks that same direction, the greatest thing about the B'nai Noach movement, whatever you want to call it, not having leader titles as such, is that as other people walk along, I know some, my own son, which I'm so proud of that if I'd be any more prouder, it'd probably be a sin. He, he's way beyond me already as far as uh, uh, what I'd call a Torah scholar, as far as uh, I, I learn from him. And I guess what I appreciate about that is that what I hear rabbis always say, that they feel that they haven't, haven't accomplished their mission unless their students are expected to go beyond what they are. Right. And again, the concept is so refreshing because where many of us come from, it's like you can't be any smarter or more spiritual than the preacher. You know, <laughs> you, you sort of have to, uh, and if you do, you're a troublemaker. Right. <laughs> In the Noahide movement, uh, it's an individual thing, and we had a young couple come into our group that I just love dearly, but he would irk me so much because he was so logical. <laughs> that I would, you know, sometimes just almost get upset. But I learned so much from him. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the greatest things, again, I see, I think, from the people that I observe in the Noahide movement. They have the freedom to say, I don't know all the answers. They have the freedom to say that, look what we didn't know 20 years ago. Just think what we're going to learn 20 years from now. And if I may break that down, right, it right. usually comes to a yearly thing because we go through the parasha, right. like in our home group. That's just what I was thinking of. Yeah. And then you read something and say, who put that in there? Right. Or somebody will mention something, and a year later, from the same portion, you learn even more. Yeah, how did, how did I miss that? Yeah. I, I didn't get it. And there was all the time, time and time, year after year. It exactly. was always there. Yes. <laughs> So that is a refreshing part that I would say as far as comparing 20 years ago to today, that if 20 years ago the rabbis would not have said, we're only your teachers, we're not supposed to tell you what to do, it could have developed into another, quote, religion mm-hmm. or, you know, somebody being the head or whatever, and it could be a following, but it isn't. It's a free movement. We aren't perfect. <laughs> But the refreshing thing is that as I watch people progress in our own little group, myself, and like 20 years to now, 
it's the potential that I always get excited about. Right. So. Well, I think uh, from my perspective, uh, Hashem's in charge. Exactly. Hashem's the one that's over us all. But I do also kind of default to the teachings of uh, Ethro when he mm-hmm. conveyed to Moshe how a structure should be put into place. Yes. And so long as within that structure, all realize that Hashem is in charge. That's true. The buck stops there. Yeah. Doesn't stop with me, doesn't stop with you, it stops there. Yes. And that's where we all have to go is mm-hmm. to Him. Yes. And we all have to answer to him. That's but true. the structure is very sound. I mean, yeah. what you, and obviously, in order for Hashem to have had Moshe put it in the Torah, mm-hmm. you know, a, a book that by its very nature is very economical with the number of words and thoughts, if it was not important, it wouldn't yes. be there. I that's guarantee true. it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's a, an important thing to remember because there has to be, I even hate to use the word leadership, but there has to be a structure, there has to be people who are willing to take on some of the, the the load, the the workload. Yeah, that's true. The structure part is something that I'm always very uh, uh, I like to point out. What I feel happened when we were invited to meet with the developing Sanhedrin in January 2006, I guess it was. Yeah, is that in a small way my understanding that before the best way I like to say it, if there, if there's more than one rule book. There's going to be chaos. Right. In, in other words, let's say a Russian basketball team plays an American basketball team. Right. And the Russian team has their own playbook, and when Americans have their playbook, they can't play together because there'll be chaos. Oh, you mean rule book? Rule book. Yeah. That, that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Or the other one I like is, let's say I go to England and I see these people driving on the wrong side of the road. Say, right. I'm going to show them the right way to, to drive <laughs> on the road. The thing that I that I see in my own mind what happened is that the giver of the Torah, Hashem, the keeper of the Torah, and now B'nai Noah is lined up with the one law. There's one law, one lawgiver. And the reason that I place myself under the keepers of the Torah, my friends call me my karate move, I guess, but it's <laughs> at one time I thought I was superior to the keepers of the Torah because I had what Christians erroneously call the New Testament. Right, right. I finally woke up to the fact that there is a plan for the keepers of the Torah, but then I was trying to figure out how I dialogue together. When I place myself under the keepers of the Torah, it's not that they become my police or, you know, that they watch what I do. They're, again, my teachers. But to me, what it does, it creates a straight conduit where the balance of God's judgment and mercy can now flow into the rest of the world because there's one law, one lawgiver, and it takes away the chaos of uh, we drive on the left side of the road, you drive on the right side of the road, and, right. you know, those kind of things. So that, to me, is a, is a very important uh, principle or what happened that I feel has an effect on the future that I really like to, to see how that affects the rest of the world. So. Well, you know, as we grow up, we certainly, like any other child, are going to uh, trip and fall on ourselves. Right. And uh, we have a lot more of that to look forward to. Oh, yes. But yeah. what's encouraging is that there are people who are willing to get themselves up, brush themselves off, and, hey, we're, we're moving forward. Yeah. I would rather you know make mistakes at 110% 
than never make mistakes because you're doing nothing. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, there's, there's yeah. good and bad in everything, and that's kind of my philosophy on that yeah. line, of, on that uh, whole, whole topic. Yeah. But, uh, Larry, listen, we're going to need to uh, cut it off here because we've got a lot of things happening here at the yeah. conference. And, by gosh, I am so happy that you decided to, to come on and share with us because I kind of look at you and others here mm-hmm. as kind of uh, being around at the origination of all of this, even though many people 25, 30 years ago were actually no hides, only they never knew it. Yes. And this kind of brought it into a, a reality sort of situation. I know for, for me, I, I mean, I'd been in, adhering to these because that's what's in the Torah. Right. But yeah. I didn't know they called them Noahides. Yeah. You know, and 10 years ago, I find, oh, I'm a Noahide. Boy, what is that? And so you go into Google it, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you begin to find out who, you, you begin to find your identity. Yes. Because at times there was a crisis with oh, that. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a very important one, yeah. So, well, listen, thanks so much for stopping okay. by, and uh, enjoy yourself, and I will see you out on the floor. Okay. Okay. Thanks sure. again, Larry. You bet. Why not? Well, that is a wrap, folks. Let me tell you, Larry is a great guy. He doesn't do bad for an interview. He was he was a little bit worried going into the thing that, gosh, you know, I, 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 I really don't know if I can do this. And, uh, you know, he was just fine. I mean, he, you know, once he got going and he, you know, felt comfortable with what he was talking about, it was no big deal. I mean, he just kept going. So he's, uh, he's a good man, Larry. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, anyway, at the beginning of the of the uh, of the show, we had started talking about your reservations or 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 your you're trying to make the decision to go to the conference or not. Oh, you're going to make me do. I was hoping you would forget and maybe it would just well, slide by. <laughs> uh, I guess well, you know, not so lucky. <laughs> if if there's an opportunity to poke you, I will. And uh, so <laughs> well, um and and you know, I'll I'll be happy to to, to share some of it. Uh, uh, again, just to let everyone know, we you know Mary and I originally were not going to go to the the conference for various reasons. It's a long drive. It's it's uh, and, and you know, again we we're so busy uh, at the same time. I mean, not just Mary, but also me. I mean, uh, you know, the, the show, the No High Nation, just everything, uh, just life in general. We're just so busy. We didn't think we were going to be able to do it this time. And, and you're probably, you're probably not really much unlike a lot of people. You're basically making the same considerations that, that many people do when something like a conference like this comes along. Cause I have to ask that question. Of course, I can say, look, I'm up here in Nova Scotia. I have to take and get a flight. I have to do X, Y, and Z. It costs all this money. And so I could say, you know, I've got all of these reasons. But at the same time, even if those reasons weren't the case, and even if I was living 30 minutes away, I would still be asking the same question. I'd say, okay, I know I've got this to do, I know I've got that to do, and I got this responsibility, <laughs> right. and, and 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 if I make the trip, and uh, you know, do I want to do I want to drive back and forth? Do I want to get a hotel there? It's gonna it's still gonna cost me money one way or the other, and so there's always these questions that that get asked, and so at the end of the day. Are you glad you went? Well, you know what, uh, Prescott? I truly am. And I know that my wife, Mary, is as well. And I am so grateful to Hashem for having having, put the burden on her heart because... 
uh, apparently I wasn't allowing him to get through to me. Uh, I mean, I would, <laughs> I had convinced myself that we weren't going, and, and that was just the end of it. And uh, lo and behold, uh, he was able to get through the, to Mary, and she got through to me, and we wound up going, and uh, very much so am I glad that we did. And I'll, I'll kind mm-hmm. of share a little something that you know, we think it's at least uh, uh, you know part of the reason we had to go beyond you know it being Vendel's 80th birthday and you know wishing the guy a happy birthday and celebrating with him and all that we were able to meet with someone that I'd never been able to meet before I'd heard a lot about him you know from uh, students of his from people who've you know read some of his books Uh, you know I've heard about him but I've never been able to speak with him or we never really interacted uh, via email or letters or anything we virtually didn't know each other, uh, have only heard of each other, and finally, for the first time, was able to meet Rabbi Avraham Sutton, All right. and, and I'll go into great detail, we're, we're coming out with our, our first newsletter, uh, it's called Connections, so keep an eye out for that, it's going to be a, an e-newsletter, so if you want to get on board for that, you need to go to the Noahide Nation's homepage and uh, sign up in the... Uh, window at the top that uh, I think it says newsletter, doesn't it, Prescott? I'm not sure what yep. it says. On the top left-hand side, just underneath the slide. Yeah, get yep. yourself, yep. Reg- so get, get yourself registered for that, and you'll get the, the email. It'll really go into a little bit more detail about this. But anyway, we were able to you know, meet him personally and, and shake hands with him, and uh, he, he's an absolutely marvelous human being. I mean, uh, I was staggered by his his presence and and so humble, and you know just everything about him just kind of drew drew us in to him. And for me, and for Mary as well, there's not you know we can't say that about a lot of of our people and even a lot of rabbis, but there are a few that have been able to, you know, if they reach into you and they grab a hold of your soul and draw you closer to them. That's what this was like. And we sat mm-hmm. and listened to, gosh, he taught at least twice, uh, maybe three times. And one of those was actually at the very, very end of the conference when everyone's getting ready to say goodbye to each other. He had us all in a circle, and we were singing, and we, and we were dancing. You know, you know like how everybody uh, locks shoulders and they dance in a big circle going around and around. And I'm telling you what, by the time that was all said and done, uh, I mean, I, I realized that I need to come out with the Noahide crying towel <laughs> it, because there was none available. And by the time we were done and, and you know, and he was done you know, talking and, and praying, we were in tears. I mean, literally in tears. There were people around the circle just they, they, they couldn't deal with it. The uh, Their souls were just so overwhelmed by what was going on, uh, including me. Uh, yes, I did shed a tear or two, and my wife did uh, as well. And that was at the very end of the conference when that all happened. I mean, even when uh, I said, you know, we said our goodbyes, I kind of did mine privately with him because I was so overwhelmed by him that uh, we we hugged each other and we both cried. And I told him, I, I cannot believe what you've done to me, but I'll guarantee you I can't articulate it. <laughs> so uh, it was just one of those moments. But also during one of the lessons, I should say after one of the lessons, 
my wife uh, tried to go up to him, in fact, did go up to him and was talking to him and shared with him, you know, how much she enjoyed the, the teaching and how she identified with it. And before I knew it, she was in tears, and she will she she might hurt me if she finds out I'm telling people this, but <laughs> she was in tears like you would not believe. I could not believe how overcome she was with not mm. only the teaching, but again, this was a spiritual experience that she was having. And uh, I've, I've never seen her like this. So Avraham Sutton is, for Mary and I, he is a special man. So this is kind of one of the reasons we really feel like we needed to go just to make that acquaintance, because now as a result of that, uh, a lot of things are going to be happening. In fact, uh, we're going to have the opportunity to bring Avraham Sutton onto our show and do an interview with him. And just kind of talk, and uh, he's a, a great person to learn from and listen to and just interact with. Uh, so that's uh, you know an opportunity, and we were able to get a number of his books. And it looks like Noahide Nations is going to be carrying uh, his line of books. Uh, we don't have that established yet, but that's you know another thing that is going to result from this. Uh, and also, there's you know just well, there's a whole litany of things that uh, are resulting from this, and I don't want to get into too many of them right now because we don't know which ones are going to fall into place. It's all up to Hashem. So, but mm-hmm. yeah. so to, in in answer, you know, that's a long-winded response to your question. Do we feel like do I feel like it was worth it? And absolutely yes. And Baruch Hashem, and thank you Hashem for touching my wife's heart and and causing us to be where we needed to be. It is one of those things that, you know, any time that, that we're confronted with something which we sometimes have the option to opt out of, very rarely when we actually step forward and put ourselves out to engage ourselves with it, that so often we find on the other end that, uh, that you know, how much we would have missed if we had not done that. So it's, it's, it's perhaps a good lesson for the rest of us as we have opportunities sometimes to, um, you know, as opportunities will present themselves to us to be able to go out and, and actually make connection with Noahides that, and we're starting to say to ourselves, well, yeah, but it's all this work to do. Maybe you need to forego that and realize that there's only so much we can do in this virtual world, in the world of radio, in the world of the internet. There's only so much connection we can make. It, it's, it will never replace the one-on-one physical connection that we can make with each other when we have the opportunity to do so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I can't agree more, and I would even go as far as to suggest that when you're trying to make these decisions, you're, you're going to find yourself getting more and more and more busy, and when you recognize that, you probably need to understand that, you know what, maybe I really am supposed to go. I have a question for you. Uh, we've been getting some emails about our after-the-show show. And I'm wondering if we yeah. want to go ahead and do another one of those today. Should we go ahead and uh, do an after-the-show show? I think, uh, yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. Well, folks, we have hit the end of our hour here on Noahide Nations, and we certainly want you to join us for our after-the-show show. And in the meantime, we look forward to seeing you next week here on the Noahide yeah. Nation show. And in the meantime, always, always, my friends, look to the heavens for your help from Hashem. Because I guarantee he is always, always looking out for you. 
You just need to listen. That's right. And after the show show is at the website. They have to go to the website. We forgot to tell right. them. Right. On Noahide Nations. <laughs> we'll see you there, folks. <laughs> see you next week. Shavuot Tov. Get your very own copy of the New York Times from May 15, 1948, declaring the state of Israel's independence. A full-size reprint of the entire newspaper covering Israel's reestablishment. Own a piece of history. Click on IsraelCelebrates60.com. Over 25,000 copies have been distributed. That's IsraelCelebrates, the number 60.com. Planning a trip to Israel? You need a licensed tour guide. See Israel like you've never seen it before. Israel National Radio's own Mayor Eisenman will take you around the country for an educational and fun experience. Each tourist gets a personally designed tour based on his preferences. The land of the Bible comes alive in the hands of an energetic and experienced tour guide. Visit www.israelbymayor.com. That's Israelbymayor, M-E-I-R. Or email directly at israelbymayor at gmail.com.